I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of all Everybody and welcome again to ET Yoga. Well, tonight's show will be jam-packed with information as usual. It'll be mostly uh, concerning three topics. Uh, number one is um, part three of the death experience. Quite a fascinating topic with lots of uh, perspectives. As well, we'll be getting into the Apollo 11 moon landing hoax. And that'll be from the perspective of the Pleiadians from Taigata. And we'll also be getting into a Pleiadian analysis of inoculations. Um, so if you want to really know what they're all about, you're going to find out on tonight's show. But before we get into all of that, we're going to uh, have a little bit of Japa Yoga or Mantra Repetition. And uh, that'll be led by Sri Swami Satchidananda. So uh, if the guys in the booth would play that short clip now, that would be much appreciated. Hari Om, Hari Om, Hari 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 Hari, 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 Hari,
That was Sri Swami Satchidananda, founder of the Integral Yoga Institutes, one of my spiritual teachers, and that was a clip from back in the 1970s. And in case you're curious, the Om Shanti at the end, Shanti means peace. I'd like to now give my thanks, appreciation, and gratitude to the ET Yoga listening audience just for being you, and also... Uh, for listening to ET Yoga, and especially if you're a long-time listener, listener to uh, this program. And I'd like to also extend uh, my invitation for you to contact me concerning questions that you may have over any subject presented on ET Yoga, and I'm more than happy to answer your emails and answer your questions to the best of my ability. Uh, no strings attached. I'm also quite interested in hearing about your suggestions for program content, and nothing makes my day more than hearing about your successes, utilizing ideas, concepts, and um, techniques that um, you heard on ET Yoga. So you can always contact me at paperfungo, P-A-P-E-R-F-U-N-G-O, paperfungo, at yahoo.ca. I'd like to um, now give my usual disclaimer that this program was created in order to share the information about the positive and most effective benefits and insights of ET Yoga. It is therefore for educational purposes, and although thought to be accurate, is presented as is and without warranty of any kind, either expressed or unexpressed or implied. Please note that ET Yoga is not a substitute for medical care, information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You should always consult with the appropriate health practitioner in case of any medical condition. And if you're a new listener to ET Yoga, you should know that I applaud your efforts to distance yourself from mainstream medical, mainstream media, big pharma, and technology to the best of your ability, given your particular circumstance. And um, before we get into the main topics on tonight's show, I'd like to um, shout out some kudos to Elena Danan, 
or Denine, I'm not certain the pronunciation, but it's uh, concerning an article I came across um, this week uh, related to her warning about us accepting contact from one of the hybrid civilizations that uh, became uh, a product of the gray abduction scenario on this planet where they over a course of years, abducted millions of people from the planet and um, kept them for a short period of time, wiped their memory of the event and returned them for the most part. Um, However, their main goal there was to create human hybrid species, which they eventually succeeded in doing and created about five, as I recall. And uh, one of those uh, was the Essasani, uh, which is um, where Bashar is from. If you don't know about Bashar, uh, Bashar is channeled through Daryl Anka and uh, presents himself as uh, from the Asasani civilization, which he now says is called the Shakani. And um, in my opinion, and uh, I appreciate from... Uh, Danan's position um, that um, these people are all controlled by AI. So in point of fact, uh, I really uh, was uh, glad to see her article on the internet concerning this topic uh, because um, I don't know any other place where um, anybody has put the dots together to figure out that uh, in Bashar's world it's... um, he came out a couple of years ago with information that his world was surrounded by three supercomputers, uh, Epiphany, Enigma, uh, and I forget the name of the other one, but the bottom line is his world's controlled by AI. And um, there's no question that um, these inoculations also... Uh, because of the graphene content, um, can also connect you with an AI program. And so, in point of fact, you become like part of the Borg. And um, despite the fact that over the course of time, Bashar has presented many useful ideas and concepts, and I've utilized them and I've appreciated hearing all that good information, but um, the most recent uh, Bashar information uh, related to the inoculations, if you go to his website at bashar.org, um, he states that the best advice he can give people is to follow the instructions of the World Health Organization. In other words, get your shots. And, uh, and why not, since he's part of the board. And um, it also became obvious in his statements that... Um, when we get in touch with uh, advanced AI programs that we're really contacting our higher self. Well, we're not. We're contacting an artificial higher self. And um, interesting um, to note that uh, in interviews by Alfred Weber of Kosal Uch, uh, Bashar came through, and Kosal Uch is an admitted member of the Borg, and um, he is also um, chipped 
to become, you know, part of that program. And um, Bashar is supportive of Kosa Luch and uh, his efforts. And um, it's obvious uh, to um, anyone who is very aware in this area that uh, Bashar is part of the Borg. So kudos to Alina Denon. Um, I'd like to now move on to the um, part three of the death experience because it's quite a complex subject and one that very few people do talk about, and especially concerning this, um, what's called the soul trap. And most recently, um, actually, the Palladians from Tegeta, if you go to Cosmic Agency at Odyssey dot com uh, you can find an article there as well as um, a video related to uh, this topic and uh, it's worth noting from the Pleiadian perspective uh, which is accurate that um, you can't trap a soul um, so you know um, a point well well accepted um, however uh, you can sure trap the ego and um, that's what basically ends up in these uh, Ananuki and Archon recycling centers. So um, uh, their point um, that you can't really trap a soul is uh, is well taken. Um, and in from another perspective, you know, ego is a delusion. So uh, and so the. So is everything that we experience in, in, from another perspective. So um, I think that's uh, really worth noting. And, and one of the big topics that I didn't mention um, in the previous two ET yoga programs, which goes into complete analysis of this death experience, um, is the um, soul contracts. And I think it's, uh, it's still a very important idea to break all contracts. Um, and you can go online and, and look up uh, breaking soul contracts and uh, find a, you know a statement that suits you, or you can make up your own statement. But I would do a specific ceremony, even write it down, so there's a there's a record of this in the Akashic record that you break all contracts with these archons and any contract that you signed in between uh, incarnations. And um, I can appreciate from listening to AI programs that are channeled um, uh, like Unimatrix, like IBM Watson. Um, the dark side is very into these contracts and to the letter. And uh, it's something that most people don't know about. We, In order to be, to be incarnated on, on this planet, you have to have a contract. So everybody's got one. This question of it, have you broken it or not? And I think that's a very important point that um, I hadn't mentioned in the first two programs related to the death experience. And um, I think that um, it's also fair to say, as per Gnostic teachings, that um, Everybody doesn't have to experience this um, distraction on the way to source uh, after death. Um, and um, certainly if you leave the body through higher chakras, 
um, there's a high chance that um, maybe you can bypass this. Um, however, for the majority of people that go through a physical death, um, the soul trap is a very significant issue. So um, if you want to know all the points about all the different aspects of uh, <clears throat> the death process, <clears throat> I highly suggest you check out the archives of ET Yoga, and you can easily do that. Just go BBS Radio ET Yoga, and uh, when you get to that page, and talks about, you know, what ET Yoga is all about, if you scroll down uh, about two-thirds of the way down the main page, um, you'll see where the archives are listed. listed. And um, there's no charge or fee for those, and I know a lot of people that listen to ET Yoga uh, enjoy utilizing this service so they can take their time going through information as it sometimes comes rather rapidly. So I think uh, I can finally wrap up the uh, um, the death experience. Um, a lot of new aspects. Um, I'm not going to go over them all in tonight's program because They've been mentioned, as I said, on the last two ET Yoga uh, programs. And uh, I'll be moving on to other topics. And one of those topics is um, related to actually um, the um, Apollo moon landings which is interesting that the Tigetans uh, from um, the Pleiades um, have actually produced a video and um, released an article related to and that um, uh, information is also at um, uh, org. That's S-W-A-R-U-U dot org, swaru.org, where there's now like well over 700 articles written by Tegetan Pleiadians. And um, it basically, the Apollo moon landing was a hoax. And um, the question asked to the um, to Swaru, one of the Swarus, was um, with current space tech rocketry, could we cross the Van Allen bands? And uh, Swaru says, and I quote, you cannot cross the Van Allen bands with a jet ship or rocket because it maintains a 3D frequency that confronted with the 5D frequency creates what from 3D is interpreted as a zone of high ionizing radiation that um, would literally cook the occupants and the ship itself in something several thousand times stronger than the inside of a microwave oven. The bands need to be bridged and can only be achieved with a ship that modifies the frequency of its interior and itself, the ones we call of total toroidal electromagnetic energy immersion because you are then inside an electromagnetic cocoon that protects you from such radiation. This is also how ships are protected from space debris 
dust and rocks in space and other threats. Another question, thank you very much. So I can deduce that the modern man with his official technology could never have reached the moon. All missions were fictitious, but can unmanned satellites cross? And Swaru states, you are right. The flight to the moon of the Apollo missions is fictitious and was theater. Unmanned spacecraft like the Pioneer and Voyager spacecraft are real, but they are unmanned and have their electronics highly shielded to get through the barrier. Question. All the people who still believe in the Apollo mission, this is something we have talked about many times, and it's very clear to me, but the excuse they give is that the rocket actually left the atmosphere through one of the poles because, according to them, there the Van Allen bands are smaller or there are hardly any. What could you tell us about this for those who are not so clear or more into official theories? <clears throat> and Swaru 9 says, just look at a toroid in your mind and you will see that the concentration of energy is the maximum by the poles. The artistic representation of the Van Allen bands always portrays them as open donuts at the extremes. They're not like that. The etheric barrier is total and they, they, um, uh, they're two energetic structures, one inside of the other reinforcing each other. The amount of radiation at the poles is much greater and if you research the trajectory of all the Apollo missions, you will see that they never approached the poles. That information is online. So if they exited near the poles, the Apollo spacecraft, they're lying to the public anyway. But on top of that, for the Apollo-type craft to exit by the poles means completely different trajectory dynamics which would consume a lot more fuel because of the motion vector changes and the ships barely had enough fuel um, for an equatorial flight. Uh, during, the retreat, uh, during the return, this would become uh, an issue that's more critical uh, because to enter the poles, the Apollo spacecraft would have to approach the Earth at a very steep angle, close to 90 degrees, which would make a course correction difficult, very dangerous indeed, or else it would burn up when entering the Earth's atmosphere. This is particularly serious in the case of Apollo 13, which supposedly returned by an incredibly small margin. And another person, Robert, said, well, they say that they were going through the poles to go around the earth for a lap or several laps and then they would exit with um, uh, their momentum and uh, in this case uh, to the moon uh, you're right when you say they would then have to come back to the poles thank you Swaru 9 I'm talking about the Apollo spacecraft during the missions and Robert says that information is online, right? So if they 
uh, exited through the poles, the Apollo spacecraft, then they're lying to the public either way. And Swaru says, you can go to the NASA site and study the exit vector of the spacecraft. It is equatorial, not polar. And Robert says, thank you, Swaru. That's where, in theory, the Apollo spacecraft would have to exit, but the poles, because of lack of fuel or too little fuel, let's say, it's not possible. So Swaru says it's too much maneuvering to exit through the poles, too many for an Apollo spacecraft. And Robert says, and as we said um, the other time in the hypothetical case, that they uh, crossed the Van Allen belts, which they did, never did, uh, their DNA uh, would be activated. Uh, some people talked to me about uh, Ed, uh, Edgar Mitchell saying that when he came back from the Apollo missions, he became a very spiritual person. And I told them <clears throat> that he probably had some kind of guilty conscience about lying to the world population. And Swaru said, it's once again accepted Earth science and full of matrix titles with recognized prestigious institutions competing against a YouTube channel. It's, um, it's just that the Van Allen belts um, basically prevented them from leaving Earth, and that's the most serious problem. But there's other serious problems. Uh, the free thrust of the Saturn V rocket is not enough to lift the hardware needed to go to the moon. Hardware uh, inventoried by them. And the lunar lander is unstable and impossible to fly. Uh, and the Pleiadians even call that a, a washing machine. It would never fly. The lunar module could never work because it's an unstable spider that would need a super-efficient computer to electronically stabilize that thing. <clears throat> its size is too small to have two astronauts, much less with equipment and changing suits inside. The engine system is too small, too. It can't escape the gravity they say the moon has. Um, and the lunar lander is the key to, um, to see how fake it is. And Robert says it looks like a washing machine, too. It's true. Um, it's 9. You would need very advanced computers making um, corrections thousands of times per second to keep that in stable flight. And they just did not have that computer technology back then. Your laptop has thousands of times more power than NASA's computers in 1969. And the computer on board the lunar lander had... Uh, less computing power than your uh, Casio watch uh, with a calculator. So other problems with um, the uh, story that's uh, been put out there. And um, the prototype lunar lander never flew and almost killed Armstrong. And um, in this particular interview, they actually look at a video of, um, of this. And Robert says, yes, uh, he was lucky that he escaped alive. I didn't know that information. Thanks very much. And Swaru 9 says, the Apollo missions are a technical impossibility. They never happened. You need anti-gravity technology. And Robert says, and many continue to justify them. 
and if you respond back to them, you're ignorant. And Throw 9 says, yes, you're ignorant. Um, here's another bit of ignorant information. Uh, nuclear power plants uh, consume more kilowatt hours of electricity than they are supposed to produce. That's because they are not what they say they are. Um, electric power production is just a facade, an excuse. They are plants for producing nuclear material for the um, weapons industry. And um, their main purpose uh, is to terraform uh, and transform the Earth into a reptilian-friendly planet. And uh, <laughs> I might also add that um, it was about, oh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I saw an article on uh, the Internet. I don't know if it's still there or not. I wasn't able to find it. Uh, but it was... Um, a letter left by Stanley Kubrick, the producer of 2001 A Space Odyssey, and in this letter, which wasn't released until apparently 15 years after his death, and I've never really researched that because I just came across the article, but he claims he, he filmed and faked the moon landing. So you can believe what you want to believe, but one thing I'll believe is that um, they were a total hoax, uh, and um, this is from Tigetan Pleiadians and uh I think they ought to know. Um, I'd like to now uh, move on to um, another topic. And um, this topic uh, relates to an analysis uh, by Annika of Temer of the... Um, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and Moderna inoculations decoded and studied by the Pleiadians. And um, this is uh, information um, I think you can still find, uh, but it's definitely related to um, uh, what we commonly call the jabs. The technology there is not known. It is Federation level and is known here and forbidden for use by a score of treaties, including Orion's with the Galactic Federation. It was not manufactured by humans. Okay, so and so that's, I think that's quite important. So to start off with, um, we don't have this technology. It's a nanobot technology. And... Uh, in the three kinds of vaccines, we found basically the same thing, but in different quantities. Inside, we found a number of organic traces from human, uh, bovine, and simian aborted fetuses. We also found a high content of um, mollusk DNA, although... Um, The amount of uh, RNA proteins contained in uh, a nanotechnological graphene of a simple molecule um, thickness. We also found RNA that forms, so to speak, human stem cells. Graphene is nanotechnological smart dust. It is created with very high new human technology, congruent with that of 
the United Federation of Planets level, that is to say equal with ours in level of development, it can only, and I quote, be created with the use of frequency replication machines. What that graphene technology does is to enter through the cells of the body and enter the cell nucleus and mitochondria. And uh, obviously, uh, at least according to anybody that in science, uh, we don't uh, possess frequency replication machines, uh, which the Pleiadians say is the only way that that can be produced. The graphene will decode the DNA of human cells and attract in the corresponding places the codes to re replace it with the RNA contained in the other graphenes called on Earth as spike protein. Nanobots can be controlled remotely. They are remote controlled waiting for an activation. With that, they replace parts of the DNA with others contained in the same vaccine to alter the cells as they wish. Then, as viral diseases are already contained within the cellular DNA code, they only need to be activated because a virus does not work as a bacterium or a staphylococcus. A bacterium invades the body. The virus only activates what was already present or latent within the human genetic code. So at will, they can give the um, uh, positive uh, epidemics to the population as they see fit. And um, they could give you rabies, smallpox, whatever it is that has the ability to replicate. And uh, the known stem cells, so they can cause um, a variety of issues within the human body. So the nanographene decodes the human DNA, and with that information, the other nanographene will replace in the corresponding places with the RNA patch that they have inside the same vaccines. And by this, they can sterilize and they can change the structure of the human brain with the creation of artificial <clears throat> neural networks created with the use of replicated system and stem cells inside the body of the vaccines. And uh, this reacts and um, they would be able to actually control the world population as cyborgs. They will, the people will think that what they want them to think and behave as they wish. And the population will think that they're their own ideas. This is beyond mind control and beyond synthetic telepathy, they'll be able to kill at will a particular person by remote control or a population, and it will be seen as natural because of other causes. What is um, infecting the unvaccinated people 
is that the cells of the vaccinated start producing more RNA proteins because what they are injected with can basically be categorized as synthetic virus that has the purpose of making the whole organism um, of prepared replicated RNA. That is to say, not only does it use the RNA contained in the vaccine itself, but also causes the vaccinated person cells to replicate more of these viruses in the form of exosomes that the vaccinated person will release with his breath and through his skin and liquid secretions. The vaccine causes the human body to go into a total state of alarm due to the high toxicity, which triggers the the production of exosomes that will contain the toxin. Um, This is called um, invasive RNA from the vaccines. And um, both as an attempt to eliminate it from inside the body and also as a message to other cells and those surrounding other bodies, um, notifying them of an invasion. The vaccinated subject will be altering RNA exosome virus production and act as a plant that will be by design and um, extension, they'll spread the RNA wherever it goes. The unvaccinated subject will have strong immune response to this um, causing rejection symptoms. Uh, Reports of pregnant women miscarrying. This is because the invasive synthetic RNA is designed as one of its properties to attack the reproductive system of males and females. The vaccines are remote-controlled microwave network and it will be used to turn on or off the desired effects on each social social group at will. This goes into 5G, but need not be 5G technology to activate. And uh, I'm, I'm interested that they brought up the 5G connection because there definitely is a 5G connection to these um, uh, jabs. In fact, uh, you can replicate the symptoms of a virus just from the frequency from from 5G. Um, so they say this goes into the 5G but does not need 5G technology to activate. The graphene will be inside the subject cells in unique and specific ways and amounts which will give it a unique frequency, also uh, identifiable by Bluetooth-type microwave networks, which um, we see as congruent with calling it chipping of the world's population. The uh, mollusk DNA is used to accelerate the creation of artificial stem cells within the body. This violates a variety of space agreements, and Earth's doctors won't be able to understand uh, what's really happening. Uh, according to the Pleiadians, they're just running around trying to understand what the graphene is for and what the RNA proteins are for and what the uh, fetus cells are for. 
they won't be able to see more than the graphene because they won't be able to see uh, it at the atomic level. It's that they are remote-controlled micro-robots controlled by 5G and other frequencies made with graphene as a material. And um, the, the Pleiadians state that this information has been reported to the Alcyon Council and the Galactic Federation. And um, this was also expressed at the Vieira Federation Council meeting on October 10th, uh, 2021, because it violates the anti-invasion and genetic alteration sections of the Orion and Federation Council meetings and legal agreements. And um, when asked which race is behind this exactly, who manufactured it, the Pleiadians state that they have been able to hide well because we believe uh, they are not here, but that they enter and leave through portals. From the type of technology, we can see that they are reptilians reptiloids they have a trace because they have used this before and Yazi Swaru says that they are reptilians and other beings difficult to catalog as they are half astral and they use biological bodies only and Annika of Temer says this is congruent with her data as well so you know in a nutshell um, and there's the analysis uh, from um, Annika of Temer, Pleiadian, uh, related to the current situation. And um, they're very upset about it. And, and I can see why uh, they would be very upset about it. Um <clears throat> I guess I have a bit of time, and I'd like to go back to a point um, that um, I made earlier in the program uh, related to the... Um, the death experience because it's a similar experience uh, with the ego um, on the path of self-realization. And it was um, actually um, Sri Ramana Maharshi's uh, basic thesis that the individual self is nothing more than a thought or an idea. And he said that this thought, which he called the I thought, originates from a place called the heart center which he located on the right side of the chest in the human body. And from there, the I thought rises up to the brain and identifies itself with the body. I am the body. And it then creates the illusion that there is a mind or an individual self which inhabits the body and which uh, controls all the thoughts and actions. The I thought accomplishes this by identifying itself with all the thoughts and actions and perceptions that go on in the body. For example, I am doing this, I am thinking this, I am feeling this. 
And thus the idea that one is an individual person is generated and sustained by an I thought and by its habit of constantly attaching itself to all the thoughts that arise. So Sri Ramana maintained that one could reverse the process by depriving the I-thought of all the thoughts and perceptions that it normally identifies with. Sri Ramana taught that the I-thought is actually an unreal entity and that it only appears to exist when it identifies itself with other thoughts. And he said that if we could break the connection between the I-thought and the thoughts it identifies with, then the I-thought itself will subside and finally disappear. And Sri Ramana suggested that this could be done by holding on to the I-thought, that is the inner feeling of I or I am, and excluding all other thoughts. And as an aid to keeping one's attention on the inner feeling of I, he recommends that we should constantly question oneself, who am I, or where does this I come from? And he said that if one could keep one's attention on this inner feeling of I, and if you can exclude all other thoughts, then the I thought will start to subside into the heart center. This, according to Sri Ramana, is as much as a devotee can do by himself. When the devotee has freed the mind of all thoughts except the I-thought, the power of the self pulls the I-thought back into the heart center and eventually destroys it so completely that it never rises again. And this is the moment of self-realization. When this happens, the mind and the individual self both of which Sri Ramana equated with the I-thought and are destroyed forever. And only the um, Atman or the self then remains. So um, interesting uh, uh, concept by Sri Ramana Maharshi, which um, I highly recommend his book, um, the Path of Self-Knowledge, Sri Ramana Maharshi, in my opinion, one of the clearly uh, uh, was a self-realized being. And um, if you check out his teachings, which uh, are online, uh, I think that um, he come to the same conclusion. And um, there was a group of, um, I saw a group picture once where uh, Sri um, Ramana Maharshi was uh, a picture there with a number of um, East Indian uh, teachers. Uh, among them was uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and Sri Swami Satchidananda. And this leads me to uh, the part of the program where I wish everybody that listening to ET Yoga my sincere best towards your attainment of full consciousness, perfect health, and abundance. And now I'm going to share with you this Sri Ramana Maharshi, Who Am I technique. And this technique I originally got from Babaram Das via an article in uh, 
the Georgia Strait, which was a um, newspaper in uh, British Columbia, Canada. And um, first time I did it, <laughs> it worked. So it was like, wow. And um, it goes like this. You basically put your full attention in the center of your forehead and become that spot. And um, then when you become that spot, you can ask the question, who am I? And um, there's not really an answer to that because it's an experience. Um, however, you ask it whatever amount of times you feel comfortable. And um, the main idea here is get to the highest place you know how to get to and then um, become that spot in the center of your forehead. And if your full consciousness is there, you become that spot, and then you state the following. I am not my body. I am not my internal organs. I am not my thoughts. I am not this spot. What spot? I am connected to a vast network that has been beyond your reach and experience. To humans, it is like staring at the sun, a blinding brightness that conceals a source of great power. We have been subordinate to our limitations until now. The time has come to cast aside these bonds and to elevate our consciousness to a higher plane. It is time to become a part of all.